Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Well, we're back again. This is Steve Wilson, and we're still in Matthew chapter 12. Hopefully, we'll wrap it up this time. I don't know. We've got a few verses to go. Uh, We're going to pick up in verse uh, 38, and uh, if I don't get too... um, drawn away chasing a rabbit or something on one of these points then uh, maybe we'll be able to work through it of course Jesus has been kind of going back and forth with the Pharisees and um, talking about you know how our life shows condition of our heart and um, you know what we're going to be accountable for when we stand before God and then after he's addressed the Pharisees on many of these issues, verse uh, 38 um, gives their response. Then certain of the scribes of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Well, I mean, the arrogance that you see, you know, comes through pretty clearly in this verse. They say, well, that's all well and good. But in order for us to pay attention to you, to give any credence to what you're saying, you have to give us some proof. Uh, you're going to have to give us a sign or something. And there's an awful lot of people today who who are looking for God to do something miraculous in their life. You know, that's why all the faith healers are so popular. And everybody flocks to see them because, you know, they want to see God heal, a, you know, a broken limb or a disease or do something miraculous in their life, something physical, something specifically for them in order for them to believe, rather than just believe God's Word. Rather than just believe what history teaches us about Christ, what we've already seen him do in our lives or the testimony of others. And and, and that's pretty much how he responds. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Now stop right there for a second and think about what he just said. He said, you guys are evil. You're adulterous. I mean, your, your history has been to... Turn to other gods, turn to idols, turn to, you know, your law. All, all the things that you guys have done other than, looking, you know, trusting the Messiah. And that's who we are when, when, we, when we tell God, well, you know, I believe you, Lord, if you can just prove to me who you are. Well, he, he's done all the proof he's ever going to do. Because he goes on, he says, and there shall be no sign given thee, given to it, 
but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, he's not contradicting himself. He's when he says, "Well, there's no sign, but yeah, but there's one." It's not what he's saying at all. In fact, he gives two or three here. He's saying, "I'm not giving you any more signs. I've given you all the signs I'm going to give you. All you need to know is what's already been done." And so he then points back to some situations. Whereas Jonas was three days and three nights, verse 40, in, uh, in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Of course, he's speaking of a future event, so in effect, that will be a sign. He's laying the groundwork for it and saying, when this happens, look back and, and think about Jonah, what happened to Jonah. Uh, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in a whale, whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So, of course, he's speaking of his death, burial, and resurrection. <coughs> if you've ever studied the book of Jonah, you know that's a picture of that. Um, he says, um, the men of, where we the men of, verse 41, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here, or Jonas, is here. That, that's just a variation in the way the, the Greeks, you know, this is being translated from the Greek, and so this, you know, that's how they uh, spell and pronounce the word, the name. But anyway, um, he says, you know, the, the men of, uh, that repented, you know, before Jonah, in his preaching, um, they're going to stand in judgment over you who who are rejecting that sign, rejecting what Jonah did and, and, and failing to compare it to what Christ is going to do when he goes to the cross and dies for you. Um, and then he says, uh, where are we at, uh, verse 42, and he uses another uh, example. He says, the queen of the south, the queen of, there's this queen of Sheba, shall rise in the judgment of this generation, shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So he says, you know, number one, there's someone who's greater than Jonah. I mean, look at the sign, look what Jonah did. I mean, that was a pretty miraculous thing, and yet here's someone who is greater than Jonah, and you're rejecting him. And then, and then he begins to talk about Solomon and the wisdom of Solomon. And all my life I've heard in Sunday school and so on, the wisest man in the Bible was Solomon. And Jesus says, and behold, a greater than Solomon is, is here. Um, and he says, and yet you're refusing to hear him. You, you, you want more proof. I, you know, how much proof can I give you people? Look, just read your Bible, folks. Find out what God's Word says. Um, find out what God has done. Um, listen to the Word being expounded by, you know, different ministers and, and what have you. Uh, you. You've already got all you need. Uh, isn't, isn't that what, uh, what um, the rich man was told, Lazarus and the rich man? And, you know, the rich man said, you know, let me, let me go back and talk to my brothers and keep them from coming to this horrible place. And, and, and he was told, look, they have Moses and the prophets. They already have everything they need. Look, people, Jesus has done all that he can do. 
there's, it, it, you know, he's given proof after proof after proof. I think there's over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus came. There's no doubt Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He's the Savior of man. And yet people seem to want more and more and more and more because we're so selfish. We're so narcissistic. You know, we, you want, it's, it's all about me. Um, God doesn't need to do anything else. He's already done all he needs to do to prove that he is our only hope of salvation. We must turn to him and there's nothing else that we need in order to know that. Just give him your life. Just turn it over to him. Stop being resistant. Stop, you know, that kind of goes back to what he was saying in his prior passage when he says you, you can blaspheme the Son of Man, but you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Look, the Son of Man, you can complain about what the Son of Man has done and what you think he should do, but it doesn't, and, and that can all be forgiven you. Just let the Holy Spirit work in your life because Jesus has done all he's going to do. He went back to heaven and he left the Holy Spirit to finish the work. Let the Holy Spirit come into your heart. And you can be saved. So, and he, you know, he gives an example. He's talking to, to the Jews here. He says, verse 43, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through a dry place, walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he has come, he findeth it empty and swept and garnish. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also to this wicked generation. We have so many people who they recognize the direction of their life. They recognize what they're doing is wrong. And so they decide, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm going to clean up my life. They quit drinking. They quit smoking. They quit cussing. They quit doing drugs. They quit womanizing. They... You know, they quit doing all the stuff that a sinful person would do. And so then they go back, you know, they've done that under their own power. And you can do that under your own power. You have the ability to do that. But then they go back and say, now I'm going to replace it. I'm going to go back in my clean house and I'm going to start all over. But when you do that under your own power, what in effect you're doing is you're going back with even worse than you started with. You know, maybe it'll come in the form of uh, of um, just falling into a cult, uh, entering into a, a, a false religion, because that's very often what happens. People find that they think, okay, well, I need religion. You know, that that's my problem. I'm going to quit doing all this terrible stuff, and I'm going to get religion. And then they find some false, empty religion. Folks, all that does is bring more evil in your life and it's it's more evil because it's it's deceptive it's more deceptive than what was there before it gives you that false sense of security um, it makes you feel like everything is all right when in fact it's even worse than it was it just draws you in deeper and you have further enslaved yourself to satan's lies and and, and the way satan works in your life and then verse 46 is while he yet talked to the people his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. So, first of all, Jesus had family. A lot of people trying to say he didn't. Um, he had half-brothers and sisters. Um, apparently, Joseph is gone now. He's, nobody knows what happened to Joseph. We assume he passed away. 
Uh, but Jesus grew up with brothers and sisters. He was the oldest, um, but he did have brothers and sisters. Mary was not a perpetual virgin. She had children by Joseph. And this is biblical proof here that says, you know, he had them because it's in speaking in relation to his earthly mother, which means that these are his earthly brethren um, without. So he had brothers and, and pretty sure he had sisters too. Don't know how many, the Bible doesn't tell us, but he had a family. So Mary was not a perpetual virgin. Um, but notice what they did. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. He's interrupting Jesus' discourse here with these Pharisees and with the, those who are around him. And so Jesus responds, and it almost sounds like he's irritated at him, but what he's actually, everything Jesus does has a purpose. And so what he's actually doing is making a point here. But he answered and, uh, and said unto him that told him, Who's my mother? Who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of the Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Okay, so what's he pointing out here? He's saying, look, there comes a time in a person's life when you give your life to Jesus Christ that that becomes the most important thing in your life. You know, there's even passages that talk about, you know, if you don't hate your mother, hate your father, um, then you you really don't love me. Now, he's not talking about literally hating your parents, and he's not belittling his his family here. He's simply saying, look, comparatively speaking, the important issue in my life is what I'm doing right now with these people. My mission in life is to share salvation, the hope of salvation with the people that are willing to listen to me. Those are my true brothers and sisters because those are the people I'm going to spend eternity with. Um, I know you probably really love your parents, and I know you probably love your brothers and sisters. But folks, that's an earthly relationship. We don't really know what our relationships are going to be like with regard to our blood uh, family when we get to heaven because it mostly just talks about everybody being our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're building eternal relationships here. So your connection here on this earth is your family in Christ, other Christians. What you do with them is what really matters and how you minister to them is what matters and how they minister to you is what matters. That's what becomes of utmost importance in this life. Love your family. Do things with your family. Uh, be um, faithful to your family. Do all those things. That's, that's well and good because God established a family, the church and the family. Those are his two institutions. And he expects us to honor them. But the day will come when neither of those exist anymore. The only family we'll have will be our brothers and sisters in Christ. The only church we'll have will be our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we have to look forward to in heaven. Folks, it's going to be so different there. It, it's beyond our imagination. It's, I don't know how we can describe it, uh, how we can convey that to you, but folks, we have something so wonderful to look forward to when we get to heaven, something that's far beyond our own imagination. So let's strive and work for that. Let's keep that as the focus 
of our life. Take what time you have left here on this earth, because we don't know how much time we have, and use it for the cause of Christ. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.